If you would, please bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now, and uh, we just ask that you just be with us. And dear God, we just ask that you uh, speak to us. Let the message, let your message come through, dear Lord. And let us hear your message and make sure that we receive your message. And then allow us to have the strength, the courage, and the perseverance to go out and live it. And as you live through us, then people will be changed by you and your love. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to continue on with uh, the um, sermon series, The Foundational Subjects. Um, I'm going to uh, make this one a, a little bit uh, with a Christmas flavor on it, um, of course. So um, again, these foundational subjects are things that we uh, have kind of probably taken for granted, that we understand them. Um, and that we know what, what, they, uh, what they mean and, and how we should apply them in our lives. But I think that if we, uh, if it, sometimes we can get drawn off track in um, our, uh, because of the things that we go through in life, maybe we get a little bit more cynical or this or that, or, or heartaches, or our hearts are broken, or we, or we get cheated or something, then sometimes these subjects can get tainted and pulled away and then that starts to be reflected in the way that we live and then that gets reflected in the way that we treat people that gets reflected in the way that the church operates and that we treat each other here and so we just want to make sure and go back and look at some of these foundational subjects and make sure that we're applying them the way that the bible applies them okay so today we're going to be talking about the subject of hope and um, hope, if you, if you look up the definition of hope, it's pretty much uh, defined as a wish, something that you, in the future or, or in the very near future, um, you have um, just a lot of expectation or a lot of uh, just luck involved or whatever that it will come true, okay? And you say, well, I hope that happens, boy. And, and uh, sometimes, uh, if you think about it, we can wrap it up a little bit with our faith in that uh, faith and hope kind of end up being the same thing, okay? And uh, that, that, can, that can be a little bit true, but uh, a, little bit, a little bit of difference here is that um, sometimes when we think about where, where can I find more hope or where can I get hope or uh, what can cause me to have hope, the real question is, and that's what we're going to answer today, it's not where, what, and when is hope coming true? Where do I find it? What do I do to get it? Hope is who. Who is our hope? Okay, so the Christmas story, okay? You can find it in Luke. Matthew, Gabriel visits the Virgin Mary. She has been betrothed to her. She's been promised in marriage to Joseph. And uh, she is told that she is uh, going to be with child, and uh, Joseph has to work that out as well. Okay, a um, lot going on there. Um, lo there's a lot of uh, stigma that could be applied. And uh, so they uh, end up getting married, and then all the political stuff between Herod and Caesar happens. And so at that time, um, Caesar Augustus calls for a census. So he's, and if you know anything about the censuses in this time, is they're calling a census because taxes are getting ready to go up, okay? So he's flexing, he's flexing his muscle here over Herod. So everybody's got to go back to the city of their ancestors. 
So Joseph and Mary pack up on a mule, and an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant lady gets on a mule and rides to Bethlehem. And they get there, and there is no place for them to stay. And the only accommodations that they can find is in a stable where the beasts, it says the beasts of the field live, the, the cows, the lambs, pigs, or whatever, probably not pigs since this is a Jewish, okay? So, but whatever is uh, um, being raised there in, in, in the barn or the stable, and he is born inside of that stable, and they laid the baby, wrapped it in swaddling clothes, okay, and uh, laid it in a manger. And it says that the angels were in great anticipating, in anticipation, waiting waiting for the birth of Jesus Christ. Because as soon as he is born, they go, and they go to the lowliest of the lows, the forgotten, the shepherds out in the fields where no one thought of them. Those guys spent all their lives out there in, in the fields. And, and when they came in, they stunk, and they, you know, and, and they were dirty. And it was like, go back out in the fields. And the, the forgotten, the, the lowly of the low, that's who the angels go and announce that, there has been born hope, the hope of all mankind. You wrote a song with that line in it, didn't you? Huh? And uh, such a special heartbeat was born that day, and uh, we are um, thankful. And, and you think about how Christ um, comes out of heaven, and he, uh, he accepts manhood, and he goes to, uh, into earth in the form of a man, and you see how the work of the Holy Spirit um, in nine months, humanity is added to the Son of God. No deity is taken away, but humanity is, is, uh, is put in there as well. And then when it is born, it is rejoiced in heaven that Jesus Christ has begun the process. And now here is the importance of what happens in that stable is that once Mary gives birth to Jesus Christ in that stable, once that happens, there is a, there is a page in history, a page in mankind that gets turned that can never be unturned. It is one of the, if not the most monumental acts in all of mankind is the birth of Jesus Christ. Because once that child is born, then we know that the word became flesh. And inside of that barn where shepherds come to praise his name and they are surrounded by angelic choirs, all of heaven is rejoicing because the word became flesh and the process has started and the process cannot be stopped. Anytime you see anybody get between Calvary and Jesus Christ, he gets around it and tells it to move out. In fact, he called Peter Satan. Get out of my way. Nothing will get between me and the cross. But in order for that process to start, Jesus had to be born in that stable. Deity had to be mixed with humanity. And we are going to get into that, okay? And there it says that Jesus is circumcised, 
when the time was right and he, his name was written down, it is Jesus. And then it says that they were going to, to, um, to the temple and um, to have him, or, um, um, all the rituals done. And it says there that Simeon, one of the great holy men there, had been promised that he would not die until he saw the Christ child. And all these years, all these babies that came in, imagine an old man now has been looking for years and years. Is that the one? Is that the one? May no, maybe no. Is that the one? No, no, that's not it. And then when he lays eyes on Jesus Christ, he says that the Holy Spirit reveals and says, this is the Christ child and now I can die. So Jesus Christ is the actuality of the word becoming flesh, and it starts the pathway to Calvary. Because here's the deal. Without Calvary, there is no salvation for man. Without salvation, man is doomed to hell. After this life, without salvation, we are doomed to hell. Okay, and without, without Calvary, there is no salvation. And without Jesus going to Calvary, there cannot be salvation. And unless Jesus is born as a man, then he can't walk up the hill of Calvary and lay down his life to provide salvation for you and me. And it all starts in a simple little stable. And so today, in a world that seems hopeless, and things are running, you know, going just haywire, and there never seems to be any truth. And in fact, at a time where we've just gotten through Thanksgiving, where probably most families didn't meet and didn't get to have the, the Thanksgiving dinners that they're used to, um, now we're uh, talking about, you know, my mom's got COVID, so there's no Christmas with her. I, I won't see her till the new year, okay? And, I mean, things, things just happen. That's the way it is. 2020. Welcome to 2020. All right. I just pray 2021's not bigger and badder. The older brother or whatever. All right. But man, been a rough year. And some people, some people are not only depressed, but have become hopeless. And I'm here to tell you that hope Listen to me very carefully. Please listen to me very carefully here. This is biblical, straight Bible. I'm preaching the gospel to you this morning, okay? Hope is not a feeling. Hope is not an emotion. That's not what hope is. Hope is the second person in the Holy Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's what hope is. Hope is Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 2, it lays that out. And in fact, it says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. In other words, here's, here's what's being said, because I, I see sometimes imagery in my head when I read the Bible. Um, I, have a, I have a very uh, vivid imagination, okay? And then um, now that, for, for whatever reason, now that I have this uh, Parkinson's, my, my dreams I act them out at night. I can't, I don't know what's going on. I have the most vivid dreams now. And I wake up sweating and, and it takes me hours sometimes to get over. I had a, the worst dream I'd ever had in my life the other night. And Ariane was asking me, why are you so emotional this morning? I told her about my dream. She's like, oh my gosh. And, and okay, so I have a very vivid imagination. But I'm thinking about when, when man sins, all of creation goes silent. 
And I don't know if it was a thousand years or a couple hundred or eons. We don't know that. Time is nothing to God. And then he calls together all of heaven. And he says, man must be redeemed. We must provide a pathway to man's redemption. There has to be someone go down and become the perfect sacrifice for man. Who is willing to accept this scroll? Now, I don't know how long it stayed quiet again, but thank God that Jesus Christ stood up and accepted that scroll. And he accepted without any shame to step down from the throne of heaven and become and become a man. And it was made lower than the angels. And here, here's the deal. No angel could do what Jesus Christ did. Okay? Angels don't die. Right? You need to understand that. Angels don't die. That is for mortals, for humans, for things on earth. That's what separates us, is that we die. Because of sin, de death was plagued on earth. So now we die. So here is the deal. For in, in order for us to be redeemed, somebody had to come and die. And an angel is not strong enough to do what Jesus Christ did, not holy enough to do what Jesus Christ did, and was not yet called to do what Jesus Christ did. And, but Jesus Christ was called holy enough and capable enough to do what he did, but in order to do it, he had to take on humanity so that he could die. Understand that now? He's 100% God, but he accepts 100% humanity. And here's, the, and here's the deal. God doesn't suffer. He cries with us. He loves us. It says his heart is broken, but God does not suffer. And for man and for Jesus to suffer, he has to bring on the suffering that of death. And that comes with his humanity. And it says right there that not only was he capable of taking on humanity, but that he took it on for the suffering of death. And then that was crowned with the glory and honor that God placed on him for accepting the mission to come down and die for you and me so that he could be born in a barn with a bunch of cows and lambs laying around, rejoiced by a bunch of lowlifes, raised in a very poor town nobody ever heard of, and then they don't even listen to him, and then he gets, you know, beat half to death, lied about, and then hung on the worst type of execution that man has ever faced. And he laid down his life, his humanity for you and me. And it says that because of that, God crowned it with glory and honor. That he, by the grace of God, that is all brought to us by the grace of God. And that he might taste the death that we all deserved. And anyone who comes to him, not just one name, a hundred names, or a thousand names, but every single person who has ever cried out to Jesus Christ for salvation has received salvation from Jesus Christ. And this salvation is brought through suffering for the it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom all things. 
in bringing many sons to glory, he becomes the captain. He becomes the champion. I remember uh, the youth group at one time did that song, The Champion. Um, uh, what, a, what a great story. What's that guy's name who did that? What, Carmen. Carmen. That's an that's a 80s and 90s guy. Carmen. Yeah, that dude, that was a great song. If you Google it or YouTube it or whatever, okay? But he becomes our captain. And he not only becomes our captain, but he becomes the captain of our suffering. He suffered the worst. We think about how sometimes, you know, like I had a bad day and people were mean to me and I got cut off in traffic and, you know, I missed two lights and then someone waved at me the wrong, with the wrong, some of the fingers down, just one up, you know, that kind of deal. And we get home and our feelings are all hurt and all that stuff. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ knows us. He's the captain of our suffering. He suffered to the utmost. There wasn't an ounce of suffering that any of us could do that he, has, he did not already endure. He is the captain of our suffering. And our salvation is made, and here is where the humanity and the deity coming together has to make sense, is that our salvation was made perfect through his sufferings. We are healed by his stripes. Him who knew no sin became sin for the propitiation, for the sufferings to die. Jesus came to earth to die for sinners. And then the word, here it is, the word becomes flesh for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all of one. And there is the reason why Jesus Christ did what he did. He is our pathway to redemption, sanctified, to be made holy through salvation, through atonement, the forgiveness of sins. We become redeemed, and then we are made into, uh, um, made into a holy one, and then we are then put through a process called sanctification to where life brings you trials and tribulations, and you are to become more, more mature as you continue to go. And I'm telling you this, as the trials come, if you get to the end of the trial and you're not better and stronger than you were at the beginning of the trial, then you didn't do it according to the way God called you to handle it, okay? And it says there that uh, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He took it, he accepted that job, and it says... Maybe my slide went away. I oh, oh. says, uh, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. So all praise goes to Jesus Christ and all glory goes to Jesus Christ. Here I am in the children whom God has given me. And so the word became flesh and through his suffering, he becomes the joining, the, the anchor. He becomes the pathway to our redemption so that we can be reunited with Christ. Okay? And so it says that inasmuch as the children have been partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. 
And here's, here's something that I need you to reflect on again, especially in a time of trial and tribulation, is that sometimes we get into our mindset that Jesus and the devil are on the same level. And it's two equal forces fighting one another in a continual battle. All right? That's not at all true. All right? And, and the game might be a little bit tilted because of how naturally sinful people are and how selfish we are. But the power that the devil possesses is only given granted to him through, through the God. All right? And there is not a level playing field. The devil is a created being. He loses. The power that Jesus Christ has, the power that we depend on, we find that in Jesus Christ. And that is why when we say it, hope isn't where I can find it, how I can find it, when can I find it, you find hope because Jesus Christ did it. He defeated all of our enemies, and our greatest enemy is death, and he defeated that on our behalf. That has been done. It is All it has to do is be accepted by each and every one of us, and then we receive forgiveness, atonement, redemption. We are made sanctified, and we receive salvation. And the promise is that we will be taken back to live with him forever and ever in all of our loved ones. Okay? Because he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. He is always there. All right? He is with us. And through death, he destroyed the bondage that so many of us are in. And, and here's, here's the thing. Let me, let me leave you with a little life lesson here, okay? And, and here's the thing. If you're going through a trial and tribulation, excluding like health, but if you're going through a personal trial, if you're going through a bad relationship, okay, if you're going through something that is, you know, a broken relationship or you've gotten yourself into a bad situation, excluding health or diseases and stuff like that, all right? Some, most of the time, if you look in the mirror and you truly have a one-on-one -on -one with yourself, I'm, the, I'm my biggest enemy. I get myself into, most of the time when I have problems, I've gotten myself there myself. And then my pride and my inability to accept that is what keeps me there. And you know what? Jesus doesn't want me to live a life of bondage. He died on the cross. He became a man. He accepted humanity so that he could be, could feel all the sufferings and death and destroy death on my behalf. And he wants me to live a life where there are no chains no bondage. And here's the deal. Most of the time when I am chained up or I am in bondage, it's because I've put the handcuffs on myself. But I need to be able to stand not only on my faith, but on hope. And that hope is Jesus Christ because his promises come true. Okay? And he made us just like he became like us. He is our brothers. It says that Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful, high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of people. That is the exclamation point. Jesus Christ had to be born in that stable so that Calvary could happen. Now, listen, when we celebrate Christmas, 
we're not just celebrating the birth of the Savior. Okay, what we are celebrating is he willingly stepped down from his throne, took on humanity so that he could suffer like no other person could suffer. And the birth that happened inside of that stable and when he was placed in that manger, that is the beginning process. The page of history is turned and can never be unturned. That is the start and the pathway to Calvary so that all of us can go to heaven one day. That's what we're celebrating is that he was willing to do that for you and me. And that is why all of heaven was rejoicing. And we need to, we need to look at how they are rejoicing in that moment because that's how we need to rejoice. And I tell you every day that Easter is not just one day of the year, but we are being redeemed each and every day. Christmas should be every day because we give thanks and glory that he was willing to come down and take on humanity so that he could die and die in suffering. All right. And it says that he's able to give us aid for he himself has suffered. He has been tempted and he is able to come to us because he knows what we're going through. He's that kind of God. He's not a high and mighty God, never did anything. He is our captain. He has been on the field with us. He has been in the mud with us. He has done anything that, that we could ever put ourselves in any kind of suffering. He has endured that. And it says that we are born to a living hope. A living hope. First Peter says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm here to tell you that hope is not an emotion. It is not a feeling. In fact, you and I have nothing to do with hope. Hope is Jesus Christ and his promises, and you stand on those promises, and that gives you the ability to push through because you know it will come true. Hope is not an emotion. Hope is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Dear God, we come to you now, and we just ask that you just allow us to live our lives in such a way that we can stand on you, knowing that you are our hope. Hope is not an emotion. Hope is not a feeling. It's not something that we have to conjure up, because you are our hope. All things are built on you. And we stand on those promises because we know that they have come true. You have done what you said you will do. And even in a year like 2020, when there's nothing that could ever be hopeful or, or even people who are hopeless, I'm here to tell you, enlighten us. Let us be like the angels. Let us be like the angels who rejoice at your birth because the pathway was created. The, the struggle, the suffering began and you were, he brought forth in pain through the birth and he died on the cross in suffering and he defeated the death because of suffering. And because of that, he is now our hope and we stand on that for salvation. Amen.